You are listening to a message from Southview Church, located right outside of Nashville in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Now here's our featured sermon of the week. We're going to get into the second part of We Wrestle Not Against Flesh and Blood. If you didn't hear last week's, I'm sorry, we're going to build off of it. You can go home and listen to it or go right now if you want. Just get up and leave and just go work on it and come back for the third service. Anyway, we don't have a third service, so you're out of luck. Just sit here. We're going to talk about it. Last week, we talked about the powers of darkness and the powers of light. We talked about that we live in a world of unseen battles. Those of you that like wars, listen, this is exciting because the reality is in order to live victorious, we have to acknowledge that there is a war going on around us, a war in the unseen. You can't win a battle. You'll never win a battle you don't even know about. So whether you want to acknowledge it or not, it is happening. Ephesians 6.12 says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That means we don't wrestle against that guy at work that gets on your nerves. We don't wrestle against that dude in the hallway that always picks on you. But we wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, old book back in the day, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. How many know that today God has given us authority, we just sang about it, in those places? So you've been given authority for a reason, and I want to show you how to identify what the enemy is doing so that we can resist it and speak against it. Does this sound good? We ready to dive in? Revelation. Go to the end of your Bible, Revelations 2, and we're going to talk a little bit about what Jesus said. Now, let me say this before we go any further. I'm going to be talking about someone that was listed in the Old Testament, and Jesus speaks about this particular person in the New Testament, in Revelation. I want you to understand we're not talking about a particular person, but at one point it was a person, and now it is a spirit. And Jesus is speaking to the seven churches. At the moment, they were actual churches. Jesus was actually speaking to churches. But he's also speaking to the church. These are phases and places where the church becomes like this. So there's churches like Ephesus and Philadelphia and uh, Smyrna, and then there's this church called Thyatira. Say Thyatira. And in chapter 2, verse 19, it says, Jesus, again, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I know your works, your love, your faith, and service, and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. That's a good thing right there. Good starting point. But then how many know when the next verse starts out with but? Yes, that's raining. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel. Say Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent for her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her into a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works." And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches minds and hearts, and I will give to each of you according to your works. Today I want to talk to you about the spirit of Jezebel. Some of you, wow, that's some of you are going in. Some of you are like, I don't understand. I'm going to teach you about the person that was in the Old Testament and the spirit 
that is still around today. I want you to identify this because I know that the characteristics of the Jezebel spirit are at work in the church. But I also want you to know we're not looking for, a, we don't call somebody a Jezebel. I want you to understand again, Ephesians 6 says we don't wrestle against a person, but you wrestle against a principality and power behind the person. So here's the deal. We don't longer, last week we talked about these men of renown, these Nephilim, these giants, these 25 foot, 12 foot, 16 foot giant, men of renown with power, superhuman power. If we saw them today, it would be easy to identify the works of the devil. There's a 25 foot giant. He's probably a demon. That, that would be easy, right? How many know it's not that easy today? Because the enemy's not going around like that anymore. He's not that overt. He's covert. He likes to come under. And what he does is he manipulates people through their soul. What is that? Their mind, their will, and their emotions. That's why most people today will say something like, I was hurt by the church. Let me, let me, let me, let me teach you a new way to say that. You were hurt by a broken person. Amen. I'm so tired of people blaming the church for a broken person. A broken person who has been dictated or hurt by something in their life that opens them up to a wound that allows the enemy to work in their life. That is not indicative of the church. I will preach this till I'm dead. I love the church. The church does all the good things in the world were established by the church. Don't get it twisted. So let's change the way we talk. I was hurt by church. No, you weren't. You were hurt by the enemy. Using people to hurt you. Now here's the deal. When we say the spirit of Jezebel, again, people die, but the spirit does not. And so I'm going to show you through scripture and identify dysfunction and tactics so you can stay free, so I can stay free and protected from the spirit. First of all, we have to acknowledge that this was a person, Jezebel. Let's talk about her for a little bit. I'm going to give you some scripture. I don't have time to get all to the stories of Jezebel. It's pretty amazing. If you know the Bible, especially the Old Testament, there's some epic stories in the Bible. 1 Kings 16 through 21 talks about Queen Jezebel. 2 Kings 9 talks about her as well. She was the daughter of the king of Sidonia. Now, let me say this. She was not a person that knew the one true living God. She was actually, some say, a pagan princess. She incited and loved and was a devout worshiper of Baal. Baal is not the God that we served, if you didn't know that. Baal demanded sacrifices. Some of them would have been human sacrifices. Some of them would have been baby sacrifices. And so she incited this. And in fact, she marries the king of Israel named Ahab. Now you could tell right then and there, that's where things went wrong. This is a man that was devoted to God's people and gets into allegiance, into intimacy with a woman that he should not have been married to. That's the first step to his demise. Scripture says that Ahab, King Ahab, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than those all who were before him. He served as king for 22 years over Israel. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. All the kings in the Old Testament, first of all, Israel asked for kings. They wanted to be like everybody else. We have judges. We want to be, we want to be ruled by kings. So God's like, all right, you ready for this? Here comes the kings. But God did something as a safety valve. He would partner a king with a prophet. So when the king really truly wanted to hear from God, he would go to the prophet. Back in the Old Testament, God only spoke to the prophets. 
So the prophet would come to the king and say, hey, here's some things that are going on. This is what you need to do. And if he was wise, he would heed the word of the prophet. In fact, one of the greatest encounters between a king and a prophet is when David was doing all the sinister stuff behind the scenes with, Jez with uh, Bathsheba. And the prophet came and addressed it. And he repented. The difference between King Ahab is he didn't listen to the prophets. He allowed his wife, Jezebel, to bring her prophets in. In fact, Scripture says in 1 Kings 18 that she killed the prophets of God, murdered them. In fact, she was so devious and evil that they had to hide God's prophets. They had to hide them so she wouldn't kill them. Enter in the prophet of God named Elijah. Have you ever heard of Elijah? Elijah is a man who was prophetic and he was thrusted into this relationship. By the way, what happens in the Old Testament parallels what happens in the New Testament. And so we have to look at this through supernatural eyes. We're going to jump back and forth, but I want you to know that what Jesus says in Revelation is still true today. The church has allowed the spirit into its organization. So as I preach... I'm going to get a little fired up, and I want you to understand that some of that fire is left over from 9 o'clock. Some of it is just because I love the church, and I'm tired of seeing the church be dictated by voices not from the kingdom of God. So if I get fired up, you're welcome to shout me down, get fired up as well, because this is an interactive message. I want you to leave here empowered. Thank you. You ready to get into this? Okay, Revelations 2.23, Jesus says this. We read this. It says that Jezebel has children. In fact, Jesus said Jezebel's children. Now, let me just say this. These aren't natural children. What it is is people under the influence of the spirit of Jezebel. That means they're all over the place. This spirit is replicating itself. And I want to explain to you that Jesus is speaking to the church a word of warning so that we can begin to identify the spirit and see behind broken people. Because my goal today is not to highlight broken people, but to offer hope to broken people. Because in Revelations, Jesus says that there's an opportunity to repent. This is where people say amen. Because this is good news. That means God is giving us a way out. Repentance means to turn away from. So even if you're going through something like this, you can repent, you can turn away from, and actually Jesus then begins to bring you into healing and wholeness. So Pastor Mark, how does this spirit of Jezebel that you talk about, how does this operate? Good news. I'm going to give you some points on how to identify the spirit. Number one, it operates in manipulation. 1 Kings 21, 23, it says, There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. What that means is he was one of the most evil kings of Israel. Oh, and by the way, Jezebel caused it all. That's a pretty powerful wife. She was allowing him to operate in something that he should not have been operating in. Let me give you an example in, in Scripture. talks about this. There was a man named Naboth, and he had a vineyard next to the palace. And so King Ahab was looking around. He saw this beautiful vineyard, and he said, you know what? I'd like to have that. Let me go talk to Naboth. So he goes over and talks to Naboth. He says, listen, I'll give you anything in the kingdom. I'll give you a better piece of land, but I want your land. How much is it going to cost? Naboth says, listen, I, as much as that offer sounds good, I can't sell it. It's in my family, and I can't depart from it. 
So this is what scripture says. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. Scripture says this, that King Ahab goes home. He lays down on his bed. He turns away his face and he would not eat. What he was doing was called sulking. It was called being a crybaby. It was called being a wuss, a wimp. I didn't get the land that I want. I'm going to bed and I'm not going to eat. So enter in Jezebel, his wife. Verse 7, look at this. I want you to see manipulation at its finest. It says, and Jezebel, his wife, said to him, do you now govern Israel? Arise, go eat some bread and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezerite. If you follow the scripture, she goes and forges documents. She takes over his role and sets up Naboth for a crime he did not commit. They end up killing Naboth and King Ahab gets the thing that he was crying and whining about because his wife manipulated the situation. Manipulation is how the spirit of Jezebel works. In fact, the spirit of Jezebel wants to control what it does not own. Hear me, I'm going to say that again. It wants to control what it does not own. It sees something that it wants. It sees something that it cannot have. And it manipulates to control and get what it desires. I've seen this. Leanne and I have seen this. We've been in church all our lives. We've seen Jezebel at their finest. We've seen people come and go. We've seen the spirit. In fact, sometimes it's after the fact. The person leaves the church and we go, yeah, yeah, something wasn't right with them. Sometimes you see it. God gives you discernment. I remember one particular situation. We knew someone and they were involved and they were leading in some form or fashion. And I remember just every time I'd be around this person, let me just say, it can be a woman, it can be a man, it's a spirit, okay? Let me just say this, because I don't want people to go looking for a woman. You know, that was my ex-wife, she was a Jezebel. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, my girlfriend, no. No, no, I'm saying that it's a spirit. So in this particular case, it was a woman. And I remember every time we would talk, it felt like I would say something, she, it would be twisted. And I told my wife, I said, I don't know what's going on. you got to be with me. you got to hear these things. And, and finally, we were in this meeting, and this is where it came to a head. We were talking through some things, and I remember things were kind of getting weird. And I told Leanne, I said, just pay attention. Something's not right here. So we were paying attention. She was talking. All of a sudden, she says something. She goes, there is a Jezebel spirit trying. She's got a little fired up. There's a Jezebel spirit in the church. She's trying to get in there. And instantly in my spirit, the Lord says, she's the Jezebel spirit. I felt it as clear as day. And at that point, I knew. I said, I'm not, I'm not messing with this thing. It's done. We're, we're out of here. And in that moment, I remember, Leanne and I watched this thing unravel. There was distractions. There was diversions. It was, so, it was like I was dealing with a little kid. And I realized in my spirit that we had uncovered a bondage over this particular person. And the spirit of Jezebel was at work. And that was it. It was done. Hadn't been back. Now, here's the interesting thing about it. People can think, oh, well, they're nice, they're cute, they're kind, oh, they're sweet. And when you don't look through the spirit, you miss it. You miss it. Sinister. Jezebel, for all intents and purposes, we, we believe she was beautiful. She was enticing. How do I know? Because we see these in scripture. And let me, before I give you number two, because that's number one, manipulation. Number two is really good too, but I want to give you a story context of this. Because Elijah had a pretty powerful story. Elijah was a man that was not afraid to counteract the prophets of Baal. Again, remember, Jezebel was killing the prophets of God. So he calls out King Ahab. He says, listen, let's decide whose God really is in control. We're going to have a little showdown. 
So he sets it up. Some of you know this story. He sets up two altars. One altar was going to be for, the, for Baal. One is going to be for Jehovah God. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take your prophets and they're going to call to Baal and say, bring down fire and set this altar on fire. And then me, all by myself, I'm going to handle this one. Now, just so you know, there was 450 prophets of Baal to one person. Now listen, now, yeah, some of you know the story. It doesn't matter to him. He was like, okay, do it. So they're over here, and then he says, you guys go first. I'm pretty confident. So they're going, and they're pleading to bail, bail, bring down the fire. It says they start cutting each other. It's just really sinister, and they're all bloody. And then, so, so Elijah, just on top of insult to injury, he goes, well, maybe your God, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's just not awake. He just can't hear you. Then he goes, maybe he's on the toilet. You can read this. He starts ridiculing them. Finally, after hours go by, he goes, you know what, we're done here. It's not happening. Let me try now. So he goes and takes it to a whole nother level. He says, bring water, douse the whole altar. Oh, by the way, do it three times. The whole thing's dripping with water. Then he goes, hold on a second. God, take care of it. Fire comes down from heaven, consumes the altar, consumes the sacrifice, and everyone sees that Jehovah God is truly the only true God. Oh, it doesn't end there. Guess what he does? It's epic. <laughs> Elijah takes 450 prophets of Baal, brings them down, and slaughters them. Slicing and dicing. Some of you are like, oh, no, it's amazing. It was an epic story. I don't know if he did it by himself, because I got to imagine that's took an a take hours, you know, just, okay, number two, number three, number four. I mean, imagine being the 450 guy to die. You've seen this already going on. It's like, okay, I'm just waiting in line. I got nothing else to do. Now, this is epic. I'm, I'm trying to paint a picture because I want you to know, number two, the way the spirit of Jezebel operates is in fear because we just got done the most epic showdown. And in the very few verses after, it says Ahab tells Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sends a messenger to Elijah, says, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Verse three, and he, Elijah, was afraid. He rose and ran for his life. Ladies and gentlemen, this man just slaughtered 450 prophets. He called down fire from heaven and a letter from Jezebel caused him to run in fear. That, my friends, is a strong spirit of fear. The spirit of Jezebel has unprovoked fear. It causes unprovoked fear. It comes out of nowhere and it especially comes after a victory. Number three, this is so important you hear me. Number three is lust. The spirit operates in manipulation, fear, and in lust. And this is Jesus speaking in Revelations 2.20. Jesus says this. He identifies the spirit. He says, it teaches and seduces my servants to practice sexual immorality. Notice he says, my servants. This is the church. That we allow sexual immorality. Do you know that in the church today, we condone things that we should never be condoning? Do you know sex is just for the confines of marriage? Just so you know, between one man and one woman who have committed themselves in marriage. That's it. It's outlined in the, in the Ten Commandments. But we make exceptions. Well, you know, eh. and God says, no, 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 that should not be tolerated in my church. In fact, in 2 Kings 9.30, 
Jehu, we're going to talk about him in a little bit. Jehu came to Jezreel and Jezebel heard of him, sees him, and it says she painted her eyes. In today's days, she would have put on fake eyelashes, right? I know, I know, women, I know. It's not real eyelashes. I'm on to you. She puts on fake eyelashes, adorns her head, and looked out of the window. What was she doing? She was ready to seduce the man of God. That's the spirit. Real talk. And don't raise your hands. I'll raise it for you. Have you ever been in a situation around someone and you felt something dark, something sexual? Listen, real talk. I don't know what it is. You feel unclean around them. You start feeling and thinking ungodly thoughts. This is real. And unless we talk about it, now you'll have an aha moment. What is that? It could very well be a spirit at work. Lust in the church is a slippery slope. If left unresolved, it will lead towards infidelity and sexual deviancy. Cannot tolerate that. Number four, the spirit of Jezebel operates in depression and discouragement. How do I know? Back to 1 Kings 9. But he, Elijah, himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. How many know after you celebrate a victory like that, you don't run to the wilderness? You only run to the wilderness if you're full of fear and you're depressed. Because it says, he came and he sat down under a broom tree. And this is what he asked after the greatest victory. He says this, he says, that he might die, saying to God, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Excuse me, sir, you just had the most epic victory, and now you're asking God to kill you. That is a spirit at work. That's called depression. That's called suicide. That is called discouragement. And the enemy works through the spirit of Jezebel to discourage and depress the church. In fact, how do we know? What does God do? God sends an angel. This is how he counteracts it. God sends an angel to minister to Elijah, and he gives him food, he gives him drink, and he says, you know what? Go take a nap. He does it twice. He gets so filled up in his spirit and his body that it says, Scripture says he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights without another thing to eat and to rest because he was filled with the spirit of God of encouragement. God counteracted the discouragement and the depression by ministering an angel to him to give him angel food cake to strengthen him. Come on now. Come on now. To give him fullness. How many know sometimes your day might be rough? Just go take a nap. Just go to bed. That's what the angel said. Elijah, just take a nap and shut your mouth. Got back up. No, you're not done. Take a second nap. The spirit of Jezebel causes you to become depressed and depleted. Number five, idolatry. Revelation 2.20, Jesus says this, that the spirit says, it says that it eats food sacrificed to idols. 1 Kings 16, the union between King Ahab and Queen Jezebel caused the nation of Israel to go towards idolatry. This is not just worshiping a God, idolatry. I want you to know that because some of us say, like we, we knew a family and she literally had altars to other gods and God delivered her, set her free, saved her and we, all the altars were destroyed. It was the most epic time in my life. I could see the altars. But how many know that sometimes we don't see the altars we're worshiping? Because we worship things like our career, our status, or even fame. Anything that promotes itself above the one true living God is an idol. And let me even go a step further. Fame is a 
huge spirit. This Jezebel spirit is a huge spirit when it comes to the entertainment industry. Hear me. I followed these people. I, I have a heart for them. I pray, Lord, bring them hope. But we know someone like Katy Perry, for an instance, who was raised in the church, raised by God. Her dad was a prophet, raised by God, was a Christian artist in this city, was hurt, was wounded, turned her back on the Lord and went into the world and says with her own mouth, I've given myself over to the devil. I've made a deal with the devil. If you've seen anything, it's sadistic, it's pornography, it's all of these idolatries that have crept in. And listen, let me say this, it actually happens more than you know. And now people are actually saying it with their mouth. I've heard an article watched with Beyonce saying a spirit comes over me and I become Sasha Fierce. You don't think that's a spirit from hell? Listen, I'm tired of the church celebrating these people. You know what we need to be doing? praying for these people, praying and declaring that God would rescue them. You know what's so interesting about Beyonce and Katy Perry is they were both raised in the church. They were both hurt by the church. Again, not the church, by the demonic people that are influenced in the church. Idolatry. Oh, the enemy will give you what you want. Oh, he will. Oh, you want to promote me? I'll give you. Listen, it's, it's so easy. You have to be dumb not to see it. People that really aren't that talented are put to a level that you go, they can't even sing, Jacob. They can't even sing well. They can't dance well, but they're on the platform. You go, what is, they made a deal. The enemy will put you somewhere to lead other people into the same place. Oh, he loves it. That spirit of Jezebel is all throughout Hollywood, all throughout it. The last one is sickness and problems. Revelation 2.22, Jesus says, I will throw her into a sickbed. And those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works. Here's the good news. Number one, the end of the sentence says you can repent. You can get out of that moment. And here's the other thing. It says commit adultery. Well, what does that mean? Now, I'm not talking about sexual intercourse. I'm actually talking about being intimate with the demonic. Actually allowing it. Letting it become part of who you are. There is a cost to being connected with this spirit. If you don't think the enemy's going to let you live your best life now, he's not Joel Osteen. He ain't going to let you live your best life now. He's going to put you with sickness and disease, and you're going to curse the day that you met him. God despises these ungodly unions. Let me just say this to you today. This starts with a wound, a hurt. Somebody looks you the wrong way. They did something at church you didn't like. They didn't acknowledge you. They forgot to acknowledge. I remember the same spirit. It got upset because I didn't acknowledge them. Meanwhile, they told me all the time, don't acknowledge me, don't acknowledge me. And then I didn't acknowledge them. Oh, we got a call. We got an email from them. I said, no, 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 you ain't going to twist this man. <laughs> and I'm right there with my wife. I don't mess with these kind of things. I'm telling you right now. Do not, men, women, do not let that thing into your marriage. Do not, do not hide that. There is a sickness, both spiritually and physically, that this spirit will put on you. So I'm going to say this. When we leave wounds unhealed, they become infected. Right? You get a cut, you don't deal with it, it's going to get infected. Let me twist it and say this. When we leave wounds unhealed, we become affected. The enemy loves to step in when you have a wound. And he loves to use leaders in churches. 
Come on, if you're a leader in church, if you, if you do something in church, you, you're an elder, you're a leader, you're a department leader, you need to know this right now. Do not give any place to the enemy in your life. Do not be one of those people that they can point to and say, it was him that caused me to hate God. Listen, I'm telling you right now, protect your heart. If somebody hurts you, get it dealt with. Get healing. Get, let me say this a little louder. I'm gonna put, it in, I'm gonna put my foot in it. Get healing. Get whole. Last week we talked about this, divine counsel. Remember that? God has an assembly of people, of angels and, and spirits that he divinely counsels with. And we talked about this in 1 Kings 22. I want to talk to you what happens here. God's speaking about King Ahab. He's tired of King Ahab messing with his people. He says, this enough's enough. We got to get this dude out of here. Does anybody have any ideas? Now, God has ideas. I don't know why he did this, but he, he's asking the spirits. And one spirit says, I, I have an idea. I'll do it. He goes, what are you going to do? I'm going to put a lying spirit in all those prophets of Baal. I'm going to deceive them. God says, good idea. High five. Let's go. Go take care of it. So the angel goes down and begins to prophesy wrong things through the prophets of Baal. Look at this. This is why I'm saying God does not mess with the spirit. King Ahab goes into battle. King of Israel. He's going into battle and he has this, well, let's just say, if your king wants to disguise himself like a regular person and not be the king, it's probably not the right king for you. Because if you're the king, you should walk on the battlefield like Braveheart, give a fiery message and be the first one out there. You know what King Ahab does? Because he's so consumed with Jezebel, he hides. He disguises himself like another one of the soldiers so that they won't get him. Oh, but isn't it interesting? The spirit will get him. It says that randomly somebody shoots an arrow in the air and randomly the arrow lands in a place where the battle protection Armor is not protecting him and it goes into King Ahab and he bleeds out on the battlefield and dies. Jezebel's spirit is to kill, steal, and destroy from you. King Ahab's connection to Jezebel leads to his untimely and cowardly death. Now this same spirit creeps into the New Testament. We want to see where it is? I'm going to show you. Mark 6. There's a man named John the Baptist. You heard about John the Baptist? He was so prophetic and such a forerunner for Jesus that people said he has the same spirit of Elijah. Interesting. Oh, as soon as the enemy heard that, he said, well, hold on a second. I got a spirit for that, Elijah. A spirit of Jezebel. Look what happens. John the Baptist in Mark 6. You can read this at your own time. John the Baptist is, in some ways, enamored. King Herod at the time is enamored with John the Baptist. He's just intrigued. This guy speaks with such authority. He's so anointed. There's something about him. King Herod's like, I like this dude. They end up throwing him in prison, but King Herod doesn't want to hurt him because there's something about him. He respects the power on him. But King Herod had married his brother's wife. Now, if you're doing math there, that's not a good thing. John the Baptist is so prophetic that he calls it out. He doesn't care. John the Baptist, I mean, he's eating locusts. He don't care. I don't care about you. I'm going to talk. I don't know what I'm going to say. He says, it is not unlawful for you to have your brother's wife. Oh, and his brother's wife, guess what, Herodias? She gets angry at that. Enter Jezebel's spirit. She gets so angry with John the Baptist, she wants to kill him, but she can't do it because her husband's like, I don't want to hurt him. He's a good man. Something about him. I'm scared of him. I don't want to take care of him. So she devised a plan. Sounds very much like Queen Jezebel in the Old Testament. She devised a plan. This is where it gets sexual and sinister. This is in the Bible, so I'm not making it up. She has her daughter, which would be Herod's niece slash stepdaughter. 
dance provocatively at a party that Herod has in front of his friends. She's seductively dancing, kind of gets King Herod excited. Again, pretty disgusting. He says, listen, you're so beautiful. I love what you're doing. <laughs> Whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you in front of everybody. She says, all right, hold on. She goes back to her mom. Herodias says, you know what I want? I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. She goes back and she says, King Herod, you've asked whatever. Here's what I want. I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. Herod realizes he made a commitment. He has to do it. And that's how John the Baptist died. The spirit of Jezebel rears its ugly head. This is manipulation. This is lust. This is seduction. Why am I saying this today? Pastor Mark, why are you giving us this? It's such a downer. It's because I want you to know the tactics of the enemy so you're not surprised when he's at work. And I'm so tired of the enemy going after the church and seeing the church lose its power because someone came into alliance with a spirit that he should never have been in. So how do we fight against the spirit? Ask me that question. I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. I have a slide for that. Before I get to it, I want you to know this. Remember, it's not the church that hurts you. you got, I keep saying this because I want you to hear me. It's not the church. God instituted the church. It's broken people being manipulated and controlled by evil spirits. And if you don't by now believe that there is a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light, I don't know what else to tell you. But it's at work whether you see it or not. And I believe some of you in this room have felt it, have seen it. Some of you have seen into the kingdom of darkness some of you have seen at night you've had dreams and visions and you've been terrorized by that and what i'm trying to tell you today is you've been given authority over this he has no legal right that you don't give him to come in your room and to torment you in the middle of your night so i'm giving you hope tonight say hope I'm giving you hope. Number one, how do we do this? How do we fight against the spirit? We identify the control. The Jezebel spirit centers around jealousy and control. That's how it works. It's insecurity at the core of it. I can't have what you have. I'll never be what you are. I want what you have. So I begin to manipulate my way to get to that. That is what Jezebel did with Ahab. She could never control the people of God. So what did she do? She lured in the man that was overseeing the people of God. It's behind the scenes control, it's position, it's power, it's all about a title. I remember again, an interaction with someone who I know had that spirit at work in their life. They had all these gifts. We remember, they had all these amazing gifts. I was amazed by the gifts, but something wasn't right. And as we got closer, and as things began to unravel, I started seeing what we see on the out is not what we see on the inside, it's different. There's something happening in the heart. Oh man, it began to unravel quickly. And how many know that when you begin to discover the tax of the enemy, oh, he gets upset. And I remember there was a big ask. There was something they wanted us to do. And I said, no, we're not going to do that. And as soon as I said no to that, they were gone. Haven't seen them again. I promise you, that was a spirit that was trying to manipulate this house. Thank you, Jesus for discernment. Thank you, Jesus, for a wife that loves God, for a husband that can, can, for leaders in this church. We've been able to avoid these pitfalls because we see something isn't right. Don't be enamored by the gift. Get to know the heart of the person. There's a lot of prophetic people serving the devil. I'm telling you that right now. It says this, gifts and callings come without repentance. That there's people that have been gifted, but their hearts are broken. See, Jezebel could never become king, so she used Ahab as a puppet. 
At, let me say, write this down. You could say that every Jezebel has an Ahab. That means every manipulator has an enabler. And you have a choice. Will you be enabled by the Spirit? What happens to Ahab? First of all, he dies a cowardly death. Imagine dying without your king royal robe. It's bleeding out on the side of the road. But here's the deal. He was one of the worst kings in the Bible. That's what Scripture says. And Jezebel's a big reason why. So number two, and I want you to hear me. I'm going to say this with some, some oomph. Do not coddle it. What does coddling mean? Do not condone it. Do not give it a place in your life. Do not give it authority. Because what does it bring? I'm glad you asked. Manipulation, fear, lust, depression, discouragement, idolatry, infirmity. These are the things that we coddle in our nation. Does that sound like America to you? Let me read them again because some of you maybe fell asleep. Manipulation. Do we not see manipulation all throughout our government right now? Do we not see manipulation all throughout our nation? Oh, let me see fear. Oh man, we love fear in this nation. We thrive off of fear. The spirit of fear. Woo! He has set up precedence in DC. Oh, let me say lust. Oh man. Anything you want, anyone you want to be with, anything you want to become now has become an open season for lust. We promote it. I can't tell you now. Now there's, there's, there's literally commercials that I have to shut off for a show that I don't even want to watch that show up. There are things on the background of my Apple TV just going, flipping back and forth. How did that get up there? Lust is prevailing in our nation. Oh, should I keep going? Depression. We love depression in our society. We celebrate it. We actually make it part of who I am. I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm suicidal. It's the spirit of Jezebel. Idolatry. We worship people that have no reason to be worshipped. They're so far from God, yet we give our money, we give our time, we give our talent to these people, and then we sit back and we try to give God whatever's left over. Infirmity. People are sick more than ever. People are dying from things. Unknown why. Why? Because we've allowed the spirit of Jezebel over this nation. Here's the deal. The spirit is designed towards manipulating the voice of God. How do I know? Glad you asked that again. 1 Kings 18.4. Look what it says. Jezebel killed the prophets. Who did she go after? She didn't go after the common people. She went after the mouthpieces to God. She silenced them, killed them, had them murdered. The spirit of Jezebel is set out to destroy and distort, distort the prophetic word of the Lord. That's the design. That's why we have churches today. God does not speak. Uh, yes, he does. Don't you try to silence the word of the Lord. Oh, and then it happens in Revelation 2.20. It says that Jezebel calls herself a prophetess. Hear me. I want you to hear this. The spirit of Jezebel has also been the reason why many words from the Lord are distorted for financial gain, for manipulation, for fear and control, and even political power. People write books about what's going to happen. It doesn't come to pass. Well, then where's your apology? Let me step into that a little bit because I don't like, this fires me up. I hate when people write a vision they saw from God. It doesn't come to pass and then we don't hear anything. Well, maybe you should give back the money that everybody bought the books for. Oh, I know we're laughing, but I'm serious because I'm tired of people saying God said something and then when it doesn't happen, there's no, where are you? See, Jezebel can operate and it can make it look like it's the spirit of God speaking a word. 
when all it is is looking to separate and divide. I've never seen the, I've never seen so much so the prophetic voice be used to divide a nation like it does today. You want some good news? Because it's heavy in here. Some of you are like, dear Lord, why did we come here today? Worship was so good until this guy stood up. Because I want you to feel the heaviness of this, but I want you to know that you have victory. So Elijah, he didn't really do all the things he should have done. Elijah should have just totally just eradicated this woman. But isn't God good? Elijah rises up, raises up three people. Scripture talks about he, Elijah raises up Elisha, the prophet that has even a more prophetic gift than Elijah. Hazel, the king of Syria, he raises him up. It's a mentor. He, he pours into them. And Jehu, the king over Israel. Now let's enter in Jehu, 2 Kings 9. Jehu, a man of God raised up by Elijah, he rides into town and here's Jezebel. We talked a little bit about that. She's adorning herself. She's putting on makeup. She's looking all pretty because here comes the man of God. And guess what? I don't have a king. I need a king. Come on, man. I need a king to put a ring on it. You know what I mean? So here comes the new king. Woohoo! Let me look good. She kind of looks out the window. She's kind of just adorning herself. And Jehu wants none of it. This is what he says. He says this. Is it well, Zimri, your master's murderer? Now, Zimri is a sarcastic reference to a person who gained his throne by assassination. He's calling out the spirit right off the bat. He says, you don't have any right to be a queen in anywhere. And this is what he says. He says this. He says, who is on my side? And guess what? There's two, scripture says, between two or three eunuchs hanging out with Jezebel. Now, if you don't know what a eunuch is, it's a man that's been castrated. If you know what that means, look it up later. The point is, it's not really a man that's going to be productive. Thank you for that. I'm, that's a good, thank you, thank you. Thank you. I got more of those jokes. These are men that have been castrated so that they can hang out with the queen and the king doesn't have to worry about any infidelity happening. Three eunuchs hear the call of Jehu they pick up Jezebel and throw her out the window. She falls to the ground and splatters all, you can read scripture, splatters all over the sidewalk and the streets. And Jehu goes and gets a bite to eat. After he's done, he comes out. Her bones have been licked clean. All you see are her hands and her feet. And you say, wow, that's a disgusting story. That's a great story. You know why? Because she got what God prophesied she would get earlier in the book. See, what happens is God will not be mocked. And I believe this prophetically. God is raising up Jehus in our nation today. People that will not cower. They will not shrink back. They will not partner with a Jezebel spirit, but they will call it out and they will command it to shut its mouth. See, I love Jehu because he did what his mentor never did. He took authority and he commanded her, you're done. You're done. And when she fell to her death, the prophetic word spoken against her came to pass. God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. And Southview, I'm calling you to be a, listen to this, I'm calling you church to be a church of Jehu's. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you're a Jehu. <laughs> Not a Yahoo. That you never thought you'd be called a Jehu. You're a man and a woman that will call out what is righteous and what is unrighteous. You will not mingle with ungodly things. Now the last one, and this is where we land the plane today, is repent. 
I love Jesus. I love him because you can do the most heinous things, but he always puts repentance at the end. It's like <laughs> there's people in prison that have done heinous crimes. They're there for the rest of their life, but they repented and God's grace is on them. You can Google this. There's ministries in prison where men, who, men are singing to the Lord and they're worshiping God. Maverick City was in there writing a song with him. Kurt Franklin, they're worshiping with these men. I don't even know if these men will ever get out of prison, but God has walked with them because they repented and he's given them their anointing and they're experiencing God. See, God is a God of repentance. He gives you a second chance. So today, if you're here, let me just say, if you're here today and you've been affected by the Jezebel spirit, you've been in those situations where you've been manipulated, you've been controlled, you've been an Elijah, you've been a John the Baptist, you've seen things that you believe for die because you're like, I don't understand why God put me. And let me just say this, God can heal you. But the first step is to acknowledge that this is an unhealthy relationship. Do you know that you don't have to be partnered with everybody that comes along your path? There are people that have left Southview that Leanne and I went, Yahoo! Like, thank you, Jesus. Jehu! You know, we, we, we're, we're excited. Sounds horrible. You never thought you'd hear a pastor say this. But do you know that the enemy sends things in. He, he, he sends wounded people that refuse to acknowledge their brokenness. And they just wound other people. And there's carnage all over the road. And we just go, well, they have a good heart. No, they're under a demonic spirit. And until they acknowledge and repent it, they will continue to hurt other people. I'm not going not gonna, to not gonna be Ahab and be a wuss. I'm not going to sit back and say, oh, everybody's good. No, there's people here today that are broken. But good news, you can be made whole. So you just have to say, Lord, I'm sorry for these unhealthy relationships. I identify unhealthy patterns in people, and I'm going to cut them off today. For some of you, the Spirit of God actually is illuminating someone in your mind. I know every time I get around them, I always feel worse. Do you know that it could very well be God saying, cut off the communication. It's not your job to save everyone. It's Jesus' job. And finally, let me say this, church. Listen to me. It's our job to protect the house. Right now, my Philadelphia Eagles are probably destroying the Lions right now. I believe it prophetically. Don't anybody put your hand down. Don't anybody say different. But here's the deal. When someone comes into your house, what do you do? Oh, we're not going to let you win on our house. There's stories where a, a Terrell Owens would stand on the Dallas Star and put his hand, some of you know what I'm talking about. He put his hands out and mocking all people ran over and tried to take them out. Don't you do that in my house. How many times do we do that in the church today? No, we're not going to let this. I want you as the church to begin to protect the church. Yeah. Begin to believe God that if that person's broken, that they'll get healed. And here's the good news. Norman Donna, we can actually speak into them and say, God, something's going on in your life. And I want to tell you, by the love of Jesus, but the correction of the Holy Spirit, you need to get home. You have a right to say that. We have a right to say that. Why? Because we're the church and we protect the house. I am sick and tired of the church getting a bad rap for a spirit that was never meant to be in this to begin with. So I will live my life. We will live our life like Jehu's. Not in my house. Not in my house. We're not going to have any false prophecy in here. Not in my house. 
We're not going to let the political sphere overtake the spiritual sphere. Not in my house. We're not going to let divorce and broken and infidelity and all these things in marriages continue. Not in this house. We're going to see God redeem and restore homes in Jesus' name. We're not going to let we're not going to let depression become part of your resume. Not in this house. We're going to fight for freedom. We're going to fight for healing. We're going to fight for people to have babies. We're going to believe for promises. We're not going to sit back and let that enemy go, I'll just give up. No, we're going to press in. We're going to be uncomfortable because we know that it's in the uncomfortable state that God does something in our heart. Thank you so much for listening to Southview Church. Southview Church is a non-denominational, multicultural, multi-generational, Holy Spirit-filled and led community. We believe that who the sun sets free is truly free. If you would like to connect with us further, check us out at southview.cc and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.